Hey gang, welcome to the Gill Athletics Connections podcast, the show that brings you the men and women of track and field and explores their unique stories. The show is brought to you by Gill Athletics. Head on over to gillathletics.com to find all your track and field equipment needs. I'm your host, Mike Cunningham, National Sales Manager for Gill, and this episode, our guest is Marissa Chu. You may remember Marissa from episode 20, where we talked about her passion project, the Coaches Collab. Uh, Today, we wanted to bring her back on here and talk about just the growth, the amazing growth that Coaches Collab has had, as well as get some background on her to learn a little bit more about Marissa. So certainly going to enjoy her journey into coaching track and field. It's a little unique. I think you're going to enjoy it. So without further ado, please help me welcome the wise, the wonderful Marissa Chu. Uh, as I just mentioned, Marissa, uh, you're actually the first two-time guest on the Gill Athletics Connections podcast. How must that make you feel? That actually makes me smile. I like that a lot. Um, there's, there's a few firsts that you get in life, and I'll take this one. That's right. It, now, if you're a regular listener, you might be uh, wag- wagging your finger at me and say, well, wait a minute, Harry Mara has been on here three times. I, I don't count the great Harry Mara as a two-time multiple guest because we planned those three parts. And again, if you have not listened to those three parts, I can't recommend it enough to go listen to those right now. On the same vein, I would recommend episode 20 before you listen today because we've got our two-time guest here, Marissa Chu. Marissa is the assistant coach at IUPUI over in Indianapolis and also the leader, guru, um, (laughs) master of ceremonies, um, video production assistant, not assistant, video production director, uh, host of the Facebook group called Coaches Collab. On April 2nd, it was episode 20 for the Connections podcast. We we were humbled enough to have Marissa on the show to talk about just about coaches collapse. So I thought after a two month uh, kind of growth period for them, we'd get Marissa back here, talk about the coaches collab and get to know Marissa a little bit better. So Marissa, thanks for joining us again today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to, to reconvene. That's, that's it. You do this on a daily basis. So this is, uh, you're like a pro at this. Like you, you might be the most <laughs> professional guest I have had uh, here on the Connections podcast. So let's recap here. I was re-listening to our interview from April 2nd. So by the time you're listening to that now, it's been about two, two and a half months. We were celebrating that you had passed your two weeks mark. This started Mm -hmm. on March 17th and you were celebrating 1,800, 1,800 coaches in the group. Fast forward to today. I just checked it before we hit the record button. Over 3,000 200 coaches. First question, did you think it was going to get this big? (laughs) Never, never, ever. It's so funny because yesterday John Hill had liked the original post of the call out on Facebook. Wow. And it it just, I laughed. I I literally laughed out loud and I was like, holy crap. Like it started as a three picture post of me just saying, who wants to hang out? Cause I'm bored and let's talk a little bit of track and maybe talk a little, a little bit of our gripes, you know, and funny enough, people are just so eager, especially with our current climate to speak on everything that people started to re-like it. 
And so I had to put a little blurb in. I said, hey, everybody, you're already in. Like, if you read the post, this is coaches collab, guys. Um, but it's unreal. You know, I, I never in a million years thought this thing was going to go national. None of, none of my days of the minutes of anything that's been going on did I think it would go international. Mm. And, you know, we've got people requesting from Brazil, Australia, um, where else have I seen? Uh, India, China, France, all over, all over. And, you know, I, it, I'm like, what? What? Are you serious? <laughs> like, and, it's crazy. And, and are they all answering the two questions, the gatekeepers that you have? So <laughs> let's talk about that evolution. Okay. That when, we, when we started, let's make sure everybody, first of all, if you need to know the history, you need to go back and listen to episode 20. We're not going to talk about how we got started uh, with the coaches mm -hmm. clap here. We're going to move forward. But there is, when you go to join, and if, you, if you're listening and you've joined, you know this, there are two questions. Uh, there was, you spoke about how there was a waiting <laughs> list because people just refuse yeah. to answer these two questions and you're like, I'm not letting you in. So, you know, if you can't yeah. do these two questions, you can't <laughs> contribute. Uh, so how's it going with the two question gatekeeping? So I think it was shortly after we spoke last, I ended up evolving that into four questions. Holy cow. Right. I know double the quantity because what was happening is we had a few student athletes that were trying to get in and that actually were answering it. So they're being automatically approved. And I was like, we've got enough NCAA violations or uh, requirements that we hereby. I'm not going to get you guys in this one. Um, so I booted them out and I respectfully gave them a notice. Hey, like when you're not accountable roster spot, let me know. I'd love to have you here. Just not right now. It's not permissible. Um, so I did end up evolving that into four questions. Are you a student athlete that can be counted on an NCAA roster or any, or any type of roster? Um, and then the other question I added was in regards to, we already had contributions. We had the association. There was, there's another one, whatever it is. Um, so I did evolve it to four. Um, what ended up happening is people, the negative people. So the people who are just trying to hijack or just be messy in the group were figuring out that they could get automatically approved. So they were answering the four questions and I was having to go back and go through these automatic approvals as well as those who were only answering some of the questions, not all the questions. So um, in figuring out how people were able to just answer some, not all, um, and with having to double check the automatic approvals, I went back and just said, everybody has to approve, be approved by an admin. So now there's no automatic approval. Mm. And so for the most part, it's myself. I don't, I don't ask any of the other administrators to do it. It's, I mean, none of us are getting paid for it. This is my baby. So I'll take well, that, care of it. That sounds like a change. Cause I believe last time we spoke, you were the only administrator. So you have people now almost like a board, I would think, or something like that to help you Correct. with some of this. Correct. So I have the, uh, at this point, we're at five leaders of each event group or event discipline. Um, there's actually more than that, but five groups of, I should say. Um, so we've got Gabby Grudeau. I always say, I never say it right. So I apologize, Gabby. Gabby G. Gabby G. <laughs> yeah, right? Yes, exactly. And then we've got Iggy um, Ignac, and I never say that either, right either. So my bad, Iggy, and I can't spell it. We always laugh at that. I can't spell it for the life of me. Um, 
Wednesdays, we've got Thomas Gesser and Ross Dexter for strength and conditioning. Um, sprints right now, we had Alan Dunson in. He's got some stuff going on trying to figure out. So he's spotty, which is totally fine. Again, this is contributing on your own time. Um, lovely enough, he was able to implement Andreas Bem from Altus. So that was great. Um, but he also has a busy schedule, so I'm trying to figure out who else I can run on that one. Um, myself, as always, and we've got Joseph Blue for the throws. So those, that group of people, they all have administrative ability, I'll say that much, but I don't ask them to do anything they're not comfortable with or anything beyond the means of just moderating their groups and coming up with their group topics and whatnot. Well, shout out to those leaders. Um... You know, we, we talked about last time the role of a leader and, and selflessness and how you had stepped up to build this. Uh, I'd love to give continued shout outs to people who then continue to lead and do that. So Joseph Absolutely. and Iggy and Gabby and, I'm, and, you know, Gabby, I know you're listening right now. I know it's not new to you to, for people to butcher your last name. So sorry. We love you to death. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I know. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. And then Andreas and Alan, again, just great people. Oh, and um, Ross Dexter and who, who was the other gentleman for strength? And Thomas Gasser. Thomas Gessler. Yeah, Thomas. Right. Yeah. Uh, I got to know those two. Stanford as well. Through Coaches Collapse. So uh, shout mm -hmm. out to those guys. I love that. Uh, so you touched on the NCAA issues, not violations, but um, uh, concerns of recruiting and mm -hmm. this whole new world of Zoom and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, maybe it's a good transition. I was going to ask you what has changed since April 2nd. You know, two weeks in, now we're almost three months in. Uh, what's changed? What, what kind of things surprised you that you didn't know you would have to have to tackle? Yeah. Oh, man. That was, that was a doozy. Um, having to what, what navigate so not in a negative manner but as most do most entities and people do at that whenever there's something new they're a little fearful so they'll both whole, wholeheartedly on the brakes stop everything and they start to ease up and allow for different things to happen you know hence shelter in place and now we are able to go out freely with, <laughs> with say, that sounds eerily familiar <laughs> right exactly so um, when this first all, we have literally COVID-19 rules per the NCAA. And um, we, at one point, were not allowed to do Zoom calls with anybody of a recruitable age or their coaches. And then they lightened up and said, okay, you can collaborate as long as there's no recruiting speak, as long as no uh, prospective student athletes are present. I said, okay, hoop one, got it. Then it got out to... If you have it so that it can be classified as a speaking engagement, open season, okay. But you can't record, okay. Well, now you can record, okay. Is it considered a broadcast? Well, I record and then make the link available. Yeah, but that's not really a broadcast. Okay, well, it's kind of like a podcast. No, it's not. Okay, and so literally, my, my compliance department was so irritated with me. <laughs> they don't say that they were, but I, I can see their eyes rolling through the phone when I was and, calling them. And was all this coming down within like a, say a five day span? I remember there was some back and forth. Yes, we can do this. Now we can't. We're going to go mm -hmm. over cautiously here. Was this all like bang, bang, bang quick? Or was this over a span of a few weeks? So the first hit was, there was probably a month before it happened. 
maybe three weeks before the shutdown and then the first implementation or that I was made aware of at that. Um, after that, it was probably every other week, give or take. Um, they were generally coming out on Thursday evening, so it would directly affect the Friday mm -hmm. call and then going over the weekend because business people don't like to work on the weekends, even if it's at home. So we're waiting until Monday. I feel Monday personally attacked right there, Marissa. <laughs> now that I'm in the private sector, not coaching, yes, I like my weekends. And I know you coaches like your weekends too. You just happen to have Very to work true. on them. So Very true. I, and you know what's so funny is, total side, sidebar, um, having grown up working in the service industry, I've never known what a weekend, quote unquote, stereotypical weekend is because mm -hmm. Saturday and Sunday are days that you make money and so mm -hmm. you know my weekends were always Monday and Tuesday and so I was like it's just another day it ends in Y to me um, and it carries over and it's it's not the greatest of mentalities when you're trying to leave a quote-unquote quality of life in mm -hmm. the average normal life mm -hmm. but yeah it's one of those things not a big deal to me anyhow I should say <laughs> How did you, when you, were um, going, well, when you were going through all the NCAA rules and they were changing and things like that, and I think at one point you had to not have any uh, non-collegiate coaches, I think that might be the right, right way to say it, club coaches, mm -hmm. high school coaches, things like that. I know there was an issue with the concern, I think, from NCAA was the chat bar. You don't get to see the chat bar, Correct. so there could be some things going on there, which is crazy because that same things could be happening on your text messaging. Facebook Messenger, etc. But uh, okay, I, I think right. you, you actually described it, I think, really well. Anything new, people are going to be ultra conservative and then maybe releasing out. So I, I you know, mm -hmm. maybe I can see both sides of that. Absolutely. But that was a, a pretty um, hectic time, it appears. From the outside, it appeared hectic because of the changes that had to happen. You're describing mm -hmm. how internally it was pretty hectic. At any time during this, was there any thought for you of like, you know what? it's not worth it. I, I'll just pull the plug or I'll just step out and, and let other people deal with it. Um, I didn't. This is my baby. It's one of those things where, you know, even at the end of the day when I have the double calls and I'm navigating my two kids who now want all of my attention after that. Um, it's one of those things I just so feel, I feel so passionately about, you know, it's, I said it from day one, I continue to think it and it's definitely engraved and just, in the entity of itself is there's so much valuable knowledge, tidbits, you know, relationships, networks, whatever you want to call it that can be nurtured through this. And I love it. It's one of those things. I, I can't let it go. I don't think I can, you know, I, I thought about this, you know, when life resumes, whenever, however that may be, whatever our new normal is, you know, am I going to be able to handle this? And I told myself, I was like, I'm going to make this cop work, whatever it is. And you know, and you know, we'll get to it as to like what it looks like six months down the road, but I have to keep it going. It's one I have to, it's my personal mission statement right now is where I have to make sure that this fosters forward because there's way too much to get from the, to receive from this. <coughs> You mentioned, you know, your mom of two kids, that alone, um, I know personally because uh, I have two kids uh, as well, uh, and definitely mom is a full-time job, full-time and a half. Is that possible? What's a, 
you know, we always talk about part-time, full-time. What's full-time right. and, and a half? It's a, it's a time two. Time and a half. Right. Yeah, time and a half, exactly. Overtime, <laughs> all the time. Uh, so mm -hmm. that you are, you are a professional and you're assistant coach at a program. And while we certainly don't have meets and things like that going on, you still have a job to do. Uh, and you're doing this and there are calls literally every day, sometimes multiple a day. How do you find the time? And, and maybe more importantly, and you kind of started touching on this, why do you find the time to do this? How I find the time? I schedule it out. I, I'm a scheduler, very type A person. So literally in our calendar, my, my calls are, are <laughs> slotted out. Um, my daughter is very much like me in the making. So she says, mom, it's Tuesday. You have a call at 12 o'clock and two o'clock, correct? I said, yes, babe. And she, she goes, okay, I'll make sure the, the house is quiet. And I'm like, okay. Wait a babe. minute. How old is this young lady? <laughs> she's 13 going no, on No, she's not. Yeah, she's a 30-year-old <laughs> professional. Get out of here. Holy she cow. She is. It's, it's a riot. It really is. That's awesome. Yeah. So, it, you know, I, I schedule them out. I let them know what my objective is. My kids, you know, this is what we have to get done today. And I'm not militant by any means, but this is our objective. You know, in the morning, we're going to get X, Y, and Z done. I'm going to have my calls. After my calls, we'll hang out. We'll take care of whatever we need to take care of. And we'll keep moving. And my son, who is the complete opposite end of the spectrum, it's like, but I want it now. I'm like, that's awesome. I, I want a lot of things right now, but you're not getting it. So, um, you know, I have his sister to help me wrangle him in and appease him. And, you know, definitely not fair on her part because she's not allowed to, or not able to just kind of fly by the seat of her pants with him. Um, but we also know being a three-person circus, uh, for the most part, we all wrangle each other in. And there are days, it was the funniest thing ever. I had gone on a walk and it was on Monday because we had postponed all calls for the week so no calls were taking place and I did not communicate that with her and so went on a walk got back about 12 15 ish now they don't have cell phones so she had no way of communicating with me I, I didn't go far plus we're in West Lafayette there's nothing that's gonna happen um but I came back and she was frantic she's like mom it's 12 15 you missed your call and I was like oh babe I, pre I, I appreciate you I said you can breathe I said I don't have any calls this week she goes, no calls why not? Don't those people need to talk to you? <laughs> I said, well, maybe. I said, but everyone, all the leaders agreed that we all could use a, a week of just rehab for ourselves. And she goes, okay, no calls. I said, well, let, let me rephrase that. You had to convince her. <laughs> I know, right? Like, this will be okay. We will survive. I said, I have no coaches collab calls. I will probably have some other calls I'll need to get on. She goes, okay. Okay, mom. I was like, okay, thanks for your permission, lady. Right, right. <laughs> Sheesh. Oh, man. Tough crowd. So what are you, uh, this is going to maybe sound incorrect, but uh, I'm going to ask it anyway. I'm, I'm allowed to make mistakes, right, Marissa? Uh, what are you... What are you getting out of this group as the leader of the group? Or have you seen things that you maybe didn't think you would get positives out of that you were getting enriched in your personal and professional life? That's a great question, honestly, because, because it is, is out of passion, you know? And so that's an intangible. Um, 
you know, I can say the recognition is awesome. I don't care about it, but it, it's awesome. You know what I mean? For people to recognize that the good works, the great doings, um, the nutrients that I'm putting back into the coaching world. That's awesome. That is honestly one of the greatest rewards I can get out of this. Um, personally, the network, kind of what you mentioned on your podcast with um, Chucky, the networking that I'm growing is unreal to me. Honestly, it, it's a, uh, I made the joke a few weeks ago on one of the Zoom calls how I feel like I know everyone on the call and I have met maybe 20 of them <laughs> at the most um, in person, you know, not even just on a phone call. Um, but that, that resource right there is amazing. Um, that was one of the original points of the mission statement is I wanted everybody to be able to go anywhere in the country and know that they have an ally, an associate that they can reach out to if they needed anything, you know, back in the day. And this isn't back in the day anymore because this is a true characteristic of what we'll have to do is when we're driving and we need to do a shakeout, I know I can contact X, Y, or Z person at a, B, and C university institution or high school and say, hey, can I jump on your truck for a shakeout on our way through? Um, so that's, I mean, it's one of those things that I really wanted to foster. Um, there are some who have told me, and this is not something of my own recognition, like, you know, this is the best line of, the, of your resume that you could have created. And I see it. It's one of those things, you know, I'm call it what you may, I call it a victim of, it's not that dramatic, definitely not dramatic like that, um, but of being the wrong minority. And so, you know, being a female and then being Asian in a power group, I'm not the right minority. And so it's one of those things where, yes, it's a great line on my resume, but it still doesn't give me the line of I can coach because now I know how to network. Now I know how to organize. Now I know how to administer things of any nature, um, but it still doesn't give me results that I can post on TFERS or, you know, this person is coached this, this, and this, to this, to this, and this level. Um, so it's awesome. Don't get me wrong. I love this and, I, and recognition or not, I would keep doing it day in and day out. Um, but it, that's the missing piece. So I know you asked me what's the positive, um, but it's allowing me to bypass that. So that's the positive in that whole entire diatribe that I just went through. Um, the positive is those who may not have wanted to give me credit or give me even some attention uh, prior will give me the glimpse so that I can show them the rest. So. Without naming names, um, have there been, you get some great positive there, positives there. Have there been any negatives that you maybe didn't foresee coming down? So I foresaw them. Hmm. I was just waiting for them to happen, to be honest. Um, it, and not to say that I'm a pessimist, but I'm a realist. I definitely hmm. am a realist where I see all sides of the coin and I don't manifest them. It's one of those things that I acknowledge and push to the side because it, it, that's, that's just how we live as a society now. There's always going to be a, a negative to the positive. And I get that because there's naysayers and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing. Because we need it. We need the balance. Mm -hmm. um, but there have been some who have made comments about, oh, well, of course, this person or that person is recognizing her because of Coaches Club. But do they know she can coach? 
We're like, oh, got it. And so that's kind of what I was just alluding mm -hmm. to prior. Um, you know, with conjunction of the coaches collabs calls and the LLC calls that we do weekly, um, there was a comment made, oh, well, of course you think that way because you have associations with this person, this person, and this person. And I'm like, no, I'm very capable of having my own ideas and right. definitely had them way before this happened. But thanks. I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that I can be brainwashed. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, so it's one of those things you always, not you always, I think, is that comment being made because I'm a female? Is that comment being made because I'm a minority female or just a minority at that, you know, um, in the profession that we've chosen as coaches, uh, I definitely lean to the, the, the prior, the being a female versus males. Um, but, you know, I take it as an opportunity, you know, there's been groups that have spun off of the coaches club already. And that's awesome. That's what I wanted too. I wanted small groups of networkings so that people can collaborate together and just find strength within their voices. So the naysayers are great because it just makes me get louder. Uh, this is a great segue. You mentioned the Athletics LLC. Uh, this is a group. If you haven't heard of these, you, you may not be a regular listener to this podcast, to be real frank. Uh, but Athletics LLC is a weekly show. It's on YouTube. You can go there right now and YouTube search Athletics LLC. I think we're up to episode nine or 10 by the time this comes out. Yeah. Uh, Marissa, and I'm not going to get all the nicknames. I'm not. <laughs> um, but Marissa, I. I kind of act as the host, the moderator, mm -hmm. if you will, uh, with a regular three panel of Mike Holloway from Florida, Charles, I think I'm good enough friends with him now to call him Chuck Ryan right. uh, from Cal Berkeley and Chris Huffins, multi-time you know, Olympian, decathlete, record holder, medalist, uh, all around good dude to be real frank yeah. with you. Uh, and you talk about a uh, really, uh, it's a kind of like, it feels like for me as an extension of some of the topics in Coaches Collab, where you talk about value and persistence. There was a really good one here recently about uh, what's wrong with cross country, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you make the Olympic teams? What's wrong with that process? Uh, things like that. So if you have not seen this show, if you want to watch it, I uh, highly suggest again, go to YouTube and search Athletics LLC. Uh, and then we are, have been gracious enough to have permission that we rerun those broadcasts for those individuals who want just an audio portion. Maybe you're, you're running and I don't know how that feels. I, 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 <laughs> right. I, I that, that is over. My career and life of running is over. But, um, <laughs> but if you want the audio version, we publish those uh, after an extended uh, time frame from the videos. The videos are, I think the videos are a little bit better to be real frank, uh, because you get to see people in your interactions mm -hmm. and, and you four have just really good chemistry and, and it continues to evolve uh the chemistry does and then you have some great guests uh, Otto Bolden has been a guest um mm -hmm. was it was it Alan Johnson was that the hurdler Correct. yeah okay I can remember which hurdler Alan Johnson the great Alan Johnson has been on there and I'm sure there's more to come so uh great segue there uh but what I wanted to talk about so through the zoom calls that you do in coaches collab and there are some maybe the the calls that you would expect with 3000 plus coaches together there's been a 5k 10k mm -hmm. talk you know how to make athletes better there's been um uh the long jump there was a really good 400 hurdle uh zoom mm -hmm. call I, I i shouldn't even delineate anyone as very good because they're all extremely good to 
be real honest with you, long jump, high jump, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the ones that I have been uh, most involved in, since I don't coach anymore, uh, my passion is towards coaches and their personal and professional development, have been the ones that you guys have hosted about um, networking, budgeting, mm-hmm. uh, women in coaching, as you brought up, uh, you, you kind of seem to have a, a personal connection with that one for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, but those have been, I like the topics for me and what my passion is towards coaches and our passion here at Gill is about the things other than coaching. So again, the mm-hmm. budgeting network. And one of the ones that I found extremely interesting was the networking one. You know, everybody wants to know everybody and everybody wants what they think because uh, okay. they're from the outside is the next best job. Um, and I, I just found that one fascinating. And I, you know, I thought it was kind of uh, maybe a little meta as you were hosting that one and people were asking, you know, what is networking? What, how do you know when you're doing it right? And those kind of things, mm-hmm. right? And all I could do, and this, this may sound weird, Marissa, don't, don't, get, uh, <laughs> don't, don't let this weird you out. I honestly was kind of staring at you during this whole Zoom call because you and what you are doing with the Coaches Collab is the epitome of real, positive, authentic mm-hmm. networking. When you're networking, when you are, I think in the chat, I, I usually participate just in the chat instead of the video because I'd rather hear from coaches to be frank. <laughs> um, but in the chat, I said something like, you know, you good networking, positive network is, you, you know, you're doing it right when you don't think you're doing it. <laughs> and and okay. what I meant by that, it's not the glad handing, shaking hands, making sure you see every coach at convention and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't see me right, right now, right. but I'm, I'm doing the, the air, <laughs> the air pistols or something, you know, um, guy. <laughs> you, Marissa, you have done an amazing job at networking and your network has expanded because you did something to give value to others. You, Mm-hmm. You didn't, this wasn't so, oh man, I'm going to do this. So I get to know Mike Holloway or I get to know right. uh, Robin John. It was like, oh, how, how can I provide value to other coaches? And so um, I'm sure you've seen your network grow. You mentioned that a little bit. Um, last time we were on the podcast, you were real geeked out about Harry Mara uh, yes. and, and Andreas <laughs> Bame. Uh, who else has been stepping in and has done some uh, panels and things like that, that you've just been like, Hey, you know, real proud that this guy or gal has, you know, given their time to others. Um, Nick Wickelman. That was a crazy one. I, I was low key fangirling out because my book had come like the day or two before we had him as a guest. And I was like, <gasps> Oh my God. And I, you know, it's so funny because I thumbed through it and I was, it, the irony of it is I see the value and I, I wholeheartedly agree with everything he says in every part of his book. Um, and I made the comment on Twitter about it. I said, this, this is a very pedagogy based teaching book. And so for me, having a teaching base as where I started from, it was nothing new. It was just using different words because it applied to athletics and whatnot. Um, but I love it because it's the one thing that I preach to any coach that I speak to that wants guidance or that just, you know, I'm kind of stuck. How do I get through this? You know, it's one of those things you have to go back to the base. And so having him reiterate all of that for me, I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. I'm not screwing everyone up. Um, having Brooks Johnson, just a part of everything. And he's, first naming me and I'm like, Oh my gosh. And you know, and I laughed cause I was listening to the podcast that you did with him. And he's like, I don't even know where this girl coaches. And I was like, Oh yeah. 
sorry, coach, I do have a job, I promise. <laughs> and I, I literally laughed out loud because it's Brooks, you know? So his tone that he's delivered it in, and he's like, I don't even care. She's just a cool kid. And I was like, thanks, coach, I gotcha. You know, um, the one of the first ones that I was kind of just mouth wide open was Andreas. Because we see his face, we see his name all over Altus, and, you know, he's he is one of the profiles that we recognize, you know, amongst others from Altus. Um, so I was like, oh, why is he here? <laughs> what do I have to give him that he doesn't already know? You know, and not I per se, but the entity itself. Um, that was awesome. Um, everyone that Iggy had on any of his calls. <laughs> He's, I love the strings that he pulls. Um, having... I, I guess it's almost any of the panelists that we've invited from the outside in. It's it's one of those things that it's like, man, they want to contribute. And I don't know that they want to foster anything post Zoom call. And that's totally fine. But I love the fact that they wanted to give back. And that's the biggest thing for me is, you know, at the very core of it, there are people who want to contribute as well and maybe didn't think much of it in the beginning, but by the end of the two hours or so, they saw the value and, you know, I don't know if one of the other coaches that were on the call reaches out to them for insight or even just well wishes. That's, that's, that's the exciting part for me. And so um, a funny one that I, I loved and I was very giggly about was when we had our HEPs on for the multi-call. So we had Erica Bogard and Andy Kuntz and they were hilarious hilarious because mm. they showed us that they're just regular people mm. regular people who are naturally athletic and really good at what they do and so it was one of those things that i hoped that mm. you know we we didn't have a huge group i think we had just under 50 if i'm not mistaken, at our peak of the call um that you don't have to be militant as an mm. athlete you have to be serious when it counts but they're silly goofy you know young adults and that's okay for that mm. So I, I love that, that those are the, those are the great parts that I love to see, you know, these recognized names come and visit with us. And the other thing that's been so impressive, you know, it's easy to de devolve in what we're doing with these Zoom calls, right? So mm -hmm. you get in you get 50 to 100 people together and it just becomes a whining session and, or whatnot. But the mm -hmm. leaders of each of these Zoom calls, including you, Marissa, you get like, they're a serious pre-thought to these meetings like there are a lot of them have published um, outlines of what we're going to talk mm -hmm. about during the session uh, and that not only helps keep a flow to the to the actual meeting but it helps provide more value value to people that are there as well and like i said it just doesn't devolve into just 50 people getting together to catch up it's actually like hey we're here to, to achieve something to, we have, an out, we have yeah. a goal yeah purpose right exactly yeah i love that um so where, where does it go from here, Marissa? I mean, eventually we're going to get back into, I almost said real coaching, uh, yeah. on the track coaching. How about that? Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're going to start recruiting. We're going to start traveling for that. We're going to, looks like everything is uh, 
as, as normal as possible. We're going to have a fall practice cross country season, and we're going to have mm-hmm. a, uh, a we're going to have an amazing 2021 track season because people are going to be so excited. Right. <laughs> uh, so jacked to get up. back on there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be magical. I'm I'm super pumped. Um, but but where does this go? You're you're you know you got time now. Uh, how mm-hmm. I don't know being a parent, but you do <laughs> seem to have time. Where does this go? Have you started thinking about how this evolves and continues to evolve positively uh, in the future? Mm-hmm. Um, so in regards to frequency, you know, we lower that a little bit and kind of like a training plan, we lower the frequency and increase the intensity. Mm. You know, we, I mean, the time duration doesn't necessarily have to, I, this is literally like a training plan. The time duration doesn't have to increase or decrease. It just has to be valuable. Um, and so with that, you know, whether we go to once a week, twice a week for, um, calls, not necessarily topics. Uh, we do that, you know, maybe one, uh, event group discipline, whatever you want to call it goes a week and that's it. So, you know, as much as I'm a preacher of Sundays or family days and, you know, personal days, if you don't have a family per se, um, I may chuck out two hours of that and just chunk that for coaches club, you know, and I think that is how we kind of reinvest personally into ourselves. It has value to it, but we're able to sit down, prosper, progress, whatever we want to call it, um, our careers while having very low intensity workouts, mm-hmm. you know, um, active recovery, if you would. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so looking something like that, um, I'm in the process now of, of kind of shaping this into something that has longevity. And so um, I won't divulge too much, but it's an active plan to where um, personal benefits for myself and my partners will, will increase. And in the long run, the coaching world will increase. Well, uh, check that box. You've already done that. <laughs> uh, the coaching world has certainly increased because of the value that you and, and now these other leaders that have stepped up have provided. So that's a good transition for us to talk about you, Marissa. We've talked about your baby, as you describe it, uh, the coaches collab. Let's talk about you. Um, Maybe let's go back to the beginning. Tell us kind of where you're from, how you got into coach, or how you got into track and field, and how did you get into coaching? Um, so I'm born and raised a California kid. Uh, I was born in San Francisco, grew up in the Bay Area, um, in the East Bay, out in Concord. Um, you know, one of two to a single mom, and so she was like, "Okay, <laughs> I have to work. So how do I make sure these kids don't kill themselves?" Uh, so she stuck us in every after-school activity she could find that we would stick with, um, which actually was a lot. But we were one of those. Both my brother and I are pretty. We're athletically inclined. We're not necessarily the great. My brother was definitely more more inclined than I. Um, but you know, it's it's the adage of. I was good at a few or more than a few things, not great at a whole bunch. So I'm not quite sure like how that works out best, you know, in retrospect, uh, in college, I don't know that I had the mentality to be a hip athlete, but mm-hmm. definitely that would have been a better road for me. Had I, uh, been open to it, I would assume, um, my coaches are way smarter than I was at that point and didn't even bother to ask me to start running anything. So, um, so, so what were you, what, what kind of events I was did a you jumper. Do? 
Oh. I was a long and high jumper. So it, the funny part is, so I started track um, at the CYO level. So I started, I think it was in seventh grade, if not eighth grade, uh, mainly because my friends were doing it. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, let's see, I don't do a spring sport yet. Um, I've got like four months of nothing before summer starts and I start playing club volleyball. So, or volleyball. So let's figure that out. Um, and so I vividly remember running the 400 and saying, never again will I ever put myself in this race. Just block that out. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And it was so funny because it, it's so, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? So naive and innocent of how I got in. So we were at the CYO meets or, you know, you sign up, your coach doesn't even really, well, back in the day, I don't know how it goes now. Um, but, you know, you sign up for whatever. You just show up to the call time and you just go. Mm -hmm. And so a friend of mine, she was like, I'm going to run the 400. Come with me. I was like, okay, well, I'm done with the jump. So why not? Slap. Oh my goodness. That is the oh. great example of negative peer pressure. Right? Exactly. <laughs> I Be told careful her, I who like, you hang out with, again. folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come find out she's a cross country kid in high school and whatnot and running MD in long distance. And I was like, you suck. That was the that end of the horrible. friendship. <laughs> yeah. We came around the turn or coming off the 110, 120. And I legitimately turned to her and I said, this is stupid. In the middle and of the race. I, in the middle of the race. I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. Oh, it was the, oh man. But, you know, so that was the start. Um, my freshman year of high school, I was at Crondalite, which is the all-girls school that partners the sister school of De La Salle in California, the big football school. Um, so was tracked to do pretty well, no pun intended. Um, and so at that time we had oh my gosh, Tiffany something. I just forgot her name. Um, but she ended up playing for the U.S. national team in women's soccer. And then we had Kristen Gordon, who was our long distance standout, who ended up running for Georgetown. And Whoa. so the thought was I would take Tiffany. Oh gosh, she was a Puma <laughs> athlete and everything. I cannot remember her name. Um, I was supposed to, you know, kind of develop into her leg of the four by one hurdle and then maybe long jump. Mm -hmm. um, got sidelined by a knee injury, ended up having a meniscal tear. So oh. was what it was, got sidelined early, had surgery that summer, ended up transferring schools because figured out, you know what, I'm not, I'm not that high caliber to be sought after at the Catholic school. Mm -hmm. And so let me go to the public school where I'll be a little higher tiered. So in comparison, going D1 mid-major to going to D2, mm -hmm. you know, something that we can all relate to at this point. Um, did track and field the rest of the three years at um, Ignatia Valley High School. Um, fell into track and field at the collegiate level on accident. Oh, so my number one sport was volleyball. Never the plan. Never. Funny enough, you know. And I, I was, I didn't realize at the time I was better at track. And hmm. you know, we or I had accepted my um, I, no scholarships, no nothing, not even the talks not even, uh, volleyball was lightly spoken about, um, preferred walk-on status. So I had accepted my application or accepted my admission to San Francisco state. Mm -hmm. And when uh, we had communication, my club coach and I had communication with the volleyball coach there at the time. And I showed up, I think it was in July. And I said, coach, you know, I've lost communication with you. When are we trying out? What, what's the deal? She goes, we've already done tryouts and teams closed. And my mouth was like, oh, 
I said, well, I wish I would have gotten correspondence because I would have definitely made it a point to be here. And she said, well, the opportunity is gone. Track and field uh, wow. coach's office is down the, down the hall. And I was like, wow, okay, thank you. I will be down the hall then. And so, you know, that let, they let me know fall workouts and whatnot. And I just kind of fell into it. Um, was not good at all. I am a self-proclaimed Title IX placeholder, and I knew that, you know. And it was one of those things, you know. My my coach tolerated me, bless his heart, Kevin Smith, <laughs> bless his heart. Um, and I had fun. It was great. It was one of those things that you know I've have I have lifelong friendships from it. You know, we just had a Zoom call. I think it was last month with twenty of us who got back together from those teams that I was on. Um, and then after that, uh, two years on the team at San Francisco State, I stepped away from track and field. Hmm. It was one of those things where at San Francisco, unless you're a student athlete, you weren't getting classes on time. I have friends who took seven years to get their diploma and they're not doctors <laughs> at all. <laughs> you know, I'm like, ah, tough life. Um, so I actually took advantage of the opportunity to continue my education down in Long Beach. And I went to hmm. Long Beach State as, a, as an art. I was a non-athletic, regular-ass person, Is you know, and it, right? it was weird. Yeah. And so um, prior to making that decision, I went on an unofficial and visited with Andy Scythe. And he said, you know, I love him to death. Yes. Love him to death. Um, he, you know, he said, if you're interested, come out, let me know, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I was like, yeah, I'm done. I, I, I was not even competitive the D2. There's no way I'm going to put myself through D1 rigor. And so I just finished up my degree in kinesiology with an emphasis on physical education. Um, I laugh until this day, it's still a joke because I had to take a track and field class as part of my undergrad. And he was the teacher uh. and he goes, why do I know you? And I said, well, truth be told, I came on an unofficial and then I decided not to come out. And he goes, we've got room. <laughs> I said, coach, you are out of your mind. <laughs> I've, I'm six, six to eight months at that point removed. Mm -hmm. There's no... Whew. And we know how much six to eight months can do. If you, if you go hard in Lifetime. the pain as a NARP, you go hard. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I stepped away and it was, it was great for what it was. And, you know, I'm appreciative of that time now because I don't, I don't think I'd have the appreciation that I do now for track and field. You know, that's interesting you say that because uh, I've been kind of touting this with uh, internally and then externally with coaches uh, and such that I think next year is going to be absolutely amazing because we have found out what it feels like to have something we love track and field mm -hmm. taken away from us. So uh, I can't wait for, and certainly it's going to start with cross country. The first cross country meet coaches are going to be able to see each other. Oh my gosh. Just be so right? happy to be there. The first indoor meet, first outdoor meet convention is going to be, yeah. I mean, crazy. We, we, we sometimes take for granted what we have on a daily basis. And so to have this great sport mm -hmm. taken away from us, uh, I think, I think a lot of coaches are starting to realize like, Oh man, you know what? It, it's like re flame. It's like, Oh, mm -hmm. this is why I love this sport. And, I'm sad that I'm not able to take care of, to take a exactly. part of it and now I will. Uh, so super interesting with you, Marissa, you, you were doing track in college, uh, it actually started with volleyball aspirations. Uh, so where did coaching fit into, you're not supposed to be a track coach. How did, how did this exactly. happen? <laughs> exactly. So, uh, when I left track and field completely, I went into restaurant management. I was, mm in restaurant the industry for a while um 
I didn't leave the restaurant industry entirely until 2018. Hmm. So yeah, 2018, that was crazy. Oh, wow. um, That's like yesterday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And so it was one of those things, you know, in California, we all know the whole myth and it's not a myth by no means that you can't live with just one job unless you're running Google, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you're not working with only one job. Right. Um, and so at that point, um, I had my first child down in LA or in the Southern California area, came back up to the Bay Area, was going to have my second child, my son, and my best friend from college, who I participated on the track and field team with, she was being groomed to be the head coach at Hayward High School in the Bay Area. Hmm. And she reached out to me and she was like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, well, just getting ready to have a kid, you know, just pop this bad boy out. And she goes, yeah, we know, (laughs) you know, and I have big babies too. Side note, like my daughter was uh, 11 pounds and yeah, seriously, that's not even like 10 pounds, 15 ounces. So I think I'm safe to say she was 11 pounds. First of all, I'll speak for every guy (laughs) here and say it don't matter how big, not happening. And holy cow, as a a father of two. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to tell Seriously. my wife when I go home tonight, she's going to be like, whoa. <laughs> what? Exactly. I was all baby, scared the crap out of everybody when I turned around because that bed, <laughs> she was huge, huge. And then it was so funny because when I had my son, um, he came out and they're like, oh, nine pounds. I think it was four ounces to be exact. And I was like, oh. And they're like, what do you mean? Oh, I said, his sister's 11 pounds. That's on the smaller Like my end. PR is 11 pounds. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And they're like, holy crap. And so it was funny because like for the, I mean, and I think it only took a week, maybe two weeks and this bad boy just blew up. He was in the hundred, over the hundredth percentile after that, he was a huge fat boy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, ha- I breed big kids. So I digress. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had him. And she's like, okay, well, after you have him next track season, I want you to come out. I need help. I know you can do this. And, you know, I know you've been away from teaching because that's what I went to school for, Mm. uh, teaching and coaching for a while and and track, but we can do this. And I was like, all right. So I committed to three days a week and, you know, it was great. And then very shortly after the commitment, it turned into five days a week and then (laughs) everything. And I just couldn't step away from it. I loved it. You know, it invigorated me to be reinvigorated me to come become a teacher again and use my degree and use my credential. So I did that. And honestly, and I've said this recently, the kids are why I do it. Mm-hmm. They are amazing. I was just having a Twitter conversation with one of, she was a thrower, not even one of my quote unquote event group athletes, but she was on the team. She's family, you know, and it's just, it's amazing what, what it can cultivate. You know, um, a lot of the kids in Hera being a lower income, social economic income area. Um, I was more than a mentor. You know, I was one of the people who kept, who kept these kids alive day in and day out. Um, unfortunately, there was a handful who didn't make it out and, you know, rest their souls in heaven. But, you know, it's one of those things where, I was able to be brutally honest and help shape these kids' lives. And, you know, like we were speaking of earlier um, in a different conversation, you know, they make their own choices, but all I want to do is influence them to make, to know that they have choices. Be one of those positive considerations that they consider. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there was a kid, telltale kid, and 
I say this story all the time and I don't know where he is now and I hope he's well, but um, he came to class and he had an ankle monitor, GPS monitor on his ankle. And so get to know him, get him to trust me a little bit. And I'm like, hey, like you should come out to track and field. You're not doing anything else. Like I've seen you in PE, you're, you're decent. I can mm -hmm. help you feel some success in your life right now. And he goes, uh, my married name was Harris at the time. And I was married when I taught, he's like, Harris, you're tripping. I'm not coming off for track and field. I see what y'all do. And I was like, no, like for real, like we got this. And he was like, no, I'm good. I was like, all right, I'm gonna put it to you this way. You see that ankle monitor? He said, yeah, it's like, stupid. I hate it. I said, next time I'll make you faster to get away. And he was like, you're not wrong. I said, cause you sucked on your own, didn't you? And he was like, yeah. I was like, you got caught, didn't you? He said, yeah. I said, come out to track and field. Maybe you'll be fast enough next time. You know, and he knew I was kidding. I, by no means am I endorsing for anybody to run away from the police. But, you know, I had to find a way to get this kid to come. Um, unfortunately, we all, our, later, we all have our own recruiting speed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> unfortunately, two weeks later, the kid got caught before track and season. Uh, so, yeah. Man. I mean, it was, an, it was a, a sucky end of the story, but I had him. You mm -hmm. know, it was one of those things where I, I had hoped and planned on just helping the kid have a better experience in life. So... Well, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm starting to notice a theme through different aspects as we already know about what you've done and do with Coach's Club of a very go-giver type of attitude. So mm -hmm. your friend calls and says, I need help. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, mm -hmm. I need your help. I need you to come out three, three days a week. Just let's start there because I know you can do it, right? And so it's one thing to think, okay, I'm going to be a, then I don't, it doesn't matter whether it was a volunteer coach, part-time coach, but three days a week. It's one thing to do it three days a week. Uh, can you think of a time as you went from three days to five days to full time, et cetera, when did it switch? When did the light switch happen that you're like, oh, I'm a, I'm a coach. This is what I'm supposed to be doing for my professional career. Uh, <clears throat> I would say it was probably at the end of that first season, 2009 season. It was one of those things, you know, um, just seeing the joy on the athlete's face when they finished a race, regardless of what the time was, they just finished. Um, I remember not having anybody qualify out of our sectional and I was upset hmm. and I was like, Oh, that means this means something to me. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. You know, <laughs> uh, and not that it wouldn't because anything I personally put time into, I care about. Um, but I didn't know if it was just a hobby, if it was something, you know, kind of, I had always seen track and field as, something I did and I didn't suck at, but I wasn't greatest at. Um, and to coach, I was like, Oh, I think I like this. I think this, I, this is a thing. Mm -hmm. And then still, you know, knowing that I can get paid to coach and have the, the number one job be teaching, but it allows me to be paid to be something else and more that I wanted. It was so enticing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, bless the beings that were at that point in time, the Harrywood High School actually had a teaching job available as well. And so at, in PE, and so my best friend was like, you, we got to get you in here. And I was like, okay. And I was scared poopless, completely scared. <laughs> I was like, am I going to make it? And she was like, we'll figure it out. I will help you. However I have to, we got to get you in here. And so it was, it was 
at that point I was like, oh, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's not that I never had quote unquote coached. I never had the title, but prior, like even in the restaurant industry, being a manager and being a lead trainer and one of those people who always kind of had a, a, a sense of guidance for those who were new or even just in the industry or in the restaurant itself. Um, I now realize that I've always had a coaching sense to me. Mm. So crazy in retrospect, because yeah. I mean, I didn't even see it in high school. Uh, I post things about coaching now on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot. And old teammates from high school are like, yeah, don't you remember when you taught me how to high jump? Don't you remember when we were hurtling, blah, 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 and you told me to do one thing and then I finally beat you? And I was like, no, I don't remember that. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's awesome to hear that I had that effect back then when I didn't even know. It's special when things can line up. So your natural bend is to be a coach, to nurture and grow people. Coaching is to grow people and nurture people. It's mm-hmm. there's something real special can happen when those two things actually line up. Sometimes we uh, are natural, uh, naturally bent towards one thing, but for whatever circumstances, we have to get a profession in something completely opposite. outside of it's so it. cool yeah. to see it match up and uh, start to produce some special things. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So this is all in California, but you're in Indiana now. So how does a a West Coaster, uh, you know, we spoke to Charles Ryan earlier this week or last week, and, you know, he couldn't make up his mind. He was West Coast and he went East and then West Uh and East and West. And uh, he's all over the map uh, for his journey. So how did you end up getting here to the great Midwest? So um, at San Francisco State, at one of the state meets, uh, I had and it's an infamous night, and I think I may have referenced this before. Um, day one of the state meet, my head coach at the time was Kendra Reimer, and she's like, we need to go to dinner. And I said, yes, because I'm starving. <laughs> and so she said, well, let me see where everybody's at. And I was like, okay. I didn't know what that meant. I literally was just along for the ride. I think I was driving. So I was there to be chauffeur. I, I just wanted to eat at that point. No, I did not care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wherever head coach says to go, I go. And um, unbeknownst to me, she had contacted whoever and they're at the yard house. So we went to dinner. Um, unbeknownst to me, who I was sitting at a table at, it, now I know and I'm like, holy crap, I should have pooped in my pants then. Um, I was in between Boogie Johnson Chris Huffins, across the ta- table from Cream Street Thompson. Um, Jabri Harris was at the table. Devin West was at the table. Jason Schutz was at the table. A um, uh, couple other people that I can't think of off the top of my head. That is a great so, table. That's a lot of good right? people. I know a lot of those people. They're great, not just coaches, they're great people. People, exactly. Yeah. Like, I had no clue. Literally no clue who I was sitting with. Right, exactly. I was like, I just want my ahi and my salad. (laughs) And right. And so I'm sitting there and we are literally shooting the shit. Like talking because I didn't know. I was naive. I I I didn't know who these people were legitimately. Mm -hmm. Um so talking to Boogie at the time and you know, he's like, I like you. And I was like, okay sure (laughs) like I don't know what that means but okay and he's like you're a good kid blah 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 blah. and um Chris Huffin the same thing he I didn't know at of course I didn't know anything about him at the time besides his name um funny enough I did google him after the fact and I was like oh my god um I had I didn't realize he was the coach at Cal and so we swapped Bay Area stories and then Devin West who grew up in the Bay Area as well we ended up all like just 
collaborating in funny stories and stupid things that happen only in the Bay. And um, so from that evening, both Boogie and Chris ended up being mentors to me. Mm. Um, and, you know, after that, I'm blessed. Chris really saw something special in me. He's like, you've got what it takes to keep going. And so I want to make sure that you help or I help you keep going. And so he, I was his own little personal project. I guess I, I was, I was the walk on that he wanted to make sure goes to nationals. That's I make fun idea. of that all the time. Cause I was, I mean, I was a nobody coach. Um, and so uh, some months go by, so a year goes by and he goes, I have an opportunity for you to come out to Indiana at a, at a small division three college, but I think it's a great stepping stone for you, but you've got to leave California. And it's hard like, for a Californian. Eh, right. We don't usually <laughs> leave the wall. And I was like, I don't know. And you know, in the personal life at that time, I had just, I had been divorced for a year doing it on my own. My dad was helping me. Um, I was good, but I wasn't great. You know, I, I was living, but barely mm. living. And so I was like, you know what? It's time. Kids are young. I can do this. We can leave. Um, bless his family. He and his wife are so supportive and they help me out. We are all best friends at this point. Our families do everything together. Um, and, you know, both of them attested to help me out however I needed, but they, they wanted to see me live a better life. Both of them did. Um, so I was like, okay, here we go. I mean, that's a leap and of faith. Uh, it really was. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It really was. It was crazy. And so um, they both just were like, you're going to come out here and we're going to do this and we're going to, we're going to make sure that you have a great life. And so um, I don't remember Chris had been in California for whatever reason. He was like, okay, like I'm going to get in the car with you and we're going to drive. I was like, Oh my God, like, no, I really got to do it. <laughs> I can't back out of this one now. Right. And so, um, in the latter part of June of 16, made the move, accepted the volunteer position at Wabash college. And that's what she wrote. Wow. Yeah. I was going to say, you mentioned D3. It's like, that's not IUPUI. So you were with uh, no. Clyde, Clyde Morgan? I was. Yeah. I was with him for 18 months. Um, loved every single minute of that time. That, you, that college is uh, unique. It is a call above every standard for every person on that campus. S student, athlete, professor. It is, oh, man. You know, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love IUPUI and I love what I do now, but they are special and they hold a special place in my heart. And, you know, shout out to Clyde Morgan for everything that he does for that program and that university and even the, for the town of Crawford, Crawfordsville, I'm sorry. Um, it's, it was something special. Robert H. Johnson, tell me something good. He's, he is something, he is something else. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's an experience where, you know, I had a lot of naysayers in that fact of, you know, how how can you make a knowledgeable jump down from the D2 to the D3 on top of going from a paid position to a volunteer position? And I said, this is the step. This is, you know, like I am the female who's coaching an all-male squad or an all-male event group, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, and no one can take it away from me. You know, mm. oh, she didn't get help from the male coach who was helping her, you know. Oh, she can maybe coach the guys because the women are following in tail too. No, this was purely male college aged athletes with a female coach. And it was it was a phenomenal time. 
as you mentioned, it was a volunteer position. And mm -hmm. last I checked, you can't pay rent and groceries and, <laughs> right. uh, and you got kids, by the way, diapers. Uh, yes. I got a pay right. raise when my kids got out of diapers. Thank the Lord. Oh, yes. Praise. Uh, yeah. Praise Jesus for those. <laughs> so we had to move on to a paid position. Is that how you mm -hmm. got to IUPUI? Correct. So what ended up happening is um, Tony McDaniel had Ashley at the time. Wow, what's her mayor? Botham. <laughs> what is her or unmarried name? Um, she has left to take the head coaching job at Purdue Fort Wayne. Mm -hmm. And so he had posted the job. I had looked at it and I was like, yeah. Oh, you, you hit the mute button on yourself. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, I got a call. <laughs> Usually so, I yeah. mute other people and she was muting right? herself. She's never done that. <laughs> no, ever, actually. Um, so uh, I had seen the position, we were at convention, it was in December, and Saul Stevens, love the guy, he goes, Chu, you need to apply for this job. You can't be working for free anymore. I can't get you a paid position. Clyde can't get you a paid position. We need to get you paid and make sure those babies are taken care of. And I, I told him, I was like, you know, I'm good. I, I set myself up to be in a volunteer position for two years. And if it didn't happen, then I'd have to step away. And that was the understanding I came here for. And um, He's like, no, <laughs> I can't let you do that. I was like, um, okay, Saul, first off, <laughs> shut your mouth. Um, but so he walked me over to Tony McDaniel and he was like, Coach McDaniel, this is Coach Chu. You need to talk and walked away. And so it was on the night, I, it wasn't a, maybe it was Bowerman. I think it was Bowerman actually. And so he and I spoke for a moment and he was like, well, I expect to see your application when we get home. I'm going to be on vacation for a few days after, but I'll, I'll look for it in my inbox. And so I said, okay. And, um, you know, we got back just after Christmas. He got back just after Christmas. We had a phone interview beginning of January and it was just full gas after that. Yeah. After that. Yeah. I think I accepted the position and was on campus by January 16th and was, yeah, it was oh, one of those wow. things crazy, crazy fast, you know, indoor, uh, conference meet was, I'm sorry. Marissa, we really trainer. want to hear these things and you keep <laughs> muting know. yourself. I told you there's no editing. You can't be oh, censoring yourself here. <laughs> My athletic trainer loves to call between the hours of 12 and two, even though every day I tell her I am on a podcast or a call. Anyhow, um, yeah, so that's just, that's how I got to IUPUI. And, and that was the you know, 16 season? What? Uh, that was the 18 season, January 18th. So you have, eight, you have mm -hmm. 18, 19, and of course, 20 we know about. How's it been? You know, it's one thing when we are interviewing and we think, you know, this position would be perfect for me. And then you get there and sometimes it's not. How's the experience been for these past three seasons? It's been good. It's been a very developing position. Um, you know, I was blessed to really grow administratively with Kendra and she taught me the ins and outs of the office and just how to organize things, how to run a meet, how to think about times. Um, I definitely had the freedom to learn how to coach an event group there. Um, with Clyde, I was able to be very autonomous with my group. And so that only reinforced that part. Um, but in both situations, I was I was able to coach my event group, just the jumps. And so while I loved it and it was very safe and very, very nurturing to what I needed for to introduce myself to the collegiate realm, um, at IUPUI, I was taking everything under the eight, everything in the field, 
So anything I recruited was all me. And it was a little scary. You know, I hadn't done that since the high school ranks and, you know, presumably with those who were able to be collegiate athletes, you know, so time management was huge and not that I had lacked in that at all, but now I had, right. I had to have other people's schedules in consideration. And so, um, we do have some facilities constraints, um, but I work around them, you know, my problem solving tools, whew, I've got a toolbox at this point of how to just problem solve my conflict resolution. Yeah. Off, off the charts. Um, it's been great to be a part of building a foundation of a program. So for those, and many do know, but for those who don't, IUPY was primarily a distance-oriented program prior. And even on the men's side, it stayed that way. We are separate programs. Um, But Tony McDaniel, just he had a vision. He wanted a whole well-rounded track team as best as he could. Um, So it really coincided with my hiring because I was that piece. All the assistants before before that were either long distance or mid-distance. So, you know, since January of 18, we've went from four athletes to now when we walk back into fall of 20, we'll have 11, hopefully 12. So holding on to one recruit. Um, And then uh, we cover all events except for hammer, disc. And that's it, I think. Well, shout out to you guys and Tony, you know, growth is good, you know, rising tide mm-hmm. raises all ships. So anytime we hear about programs that are increasing, whether it's participation, adding programs back, uh, this week we heard uh, great news, Brown University yes. reversed their mistake. Uh, uh, exactly. We, we have to know that it was a mistake too. They mm-hmm. saw that mistake and were wise enough to make a change. To, to, exactly. To, to acknowledge that mistake and then reverse course. So uh, anytime there is growth, so four um, athletes to double digits now, and you know, those things, it's easier to grow a peak on a peak, right? So it's going to be easier to grow from a, the number you have now to 20 and 30. It's Exactly. Know, oh, that's awesome. I love growth. That's so good. Mm-hmm. So where does, before you, I'd say before you had Coaches Collab, before you created Coaches Collab, what were some avenues that you got growth from in regards to your coach's education? Did you do any USATF coaches ed, USTF CCAs? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you just call up random coaches and ask them for their <laughs> right. advice? How, how did you grow? Yeah. Um, so I got into USATF coaches education. So um, shortly after my that 09 season of track and field, I did my level one and was like, oh. Where'd you I- do that at? I did it at Chabot College in Oakland, California, or Hayward, California, I should say. Do you remember any of your teachers for that one? Yeah, Ken Grace. um, Oh my gosh, I just forgot his name. He's over at Modesto Junior College. Holy schmoly. You don't forget names very often. I don't. I can see his face and everything, and he's got Mm -hmm. an accent. Anyway, it'll come to me. You did level one. Mm -hmm. I did level one, and and actually, the the piece that kind of linked it to back to where I knew I was supposed to be there was Matt Lightham was one of the instructors oh, yeah. who was my co-head coach at San Francisco state. And so I, I literally, that. yeah. So he and his wife were the head coaches at the time. Okay. So I walk up to him and I said, coach Lightham, I don't know if you remember me, but I was on the team 98, 99, 99, 2000 at San Francisco state 
I was a jumper. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, I totally remember you. And, you know, it doesn't help that I was one of three Asian females on our jump squad. You know, that doesn't ever happen. <laughs> Only in California does that happen, you know. Um, but yeah, and it just, it rekindled the love of, you know, this is where I'm supposed to be. And I was supposed to be furthering my education. Um, after that, I did level twos up the wazoo. I have all but distance and throws. Wow. Um, I then did my level three, the IAAF level five slash IAAF level five course. Um, and now I teach level ones and I'm, I'm on the slate to teach level two in July. Oh, so is that I right? Love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. I taught uh, for several years level ones as well. I mm-hmm. ended up teaching somewhere between 20 and 30. Uh, and oh, I tell wow. you, it, it's one thing to be in the classroom and learn from great people like Ken Grace and Matt Lightham, who's a good friend. Uh-huh. Um, you really double down when you teach that material to others. Exactly. Like it really becomes ingrained. I would have to think, you know, these coaches that are in the coaches collab that are panelists and they're teaching, uh, you know, part of it is a little bit of the selfishness for them of like, Ooh, I, I'm going to get better by teaching. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, exactly. Because we get, we get stuck on the track and we're teaching an athlete. That's one thing, but then to transition to a classroom, uh, you have mm-hmm. to verbalize it different, visualize it different, and help other people understand not just what you're teaching, but how to teach that to their athletes. Exactly. Wow, that's awesome. Um, and through that coach's education, was did anything spark back then of like you wanted to be in education for coaching like you are now? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that's basically what you are. You're running an education platform. Uh, or was it just more of just receiving to be a coach so that you could be a better coach? Um, indirectly, it was about regurgitating and, and progressing the education to others. Um, being as young as I am in quote unquote coaching ages, I knew that there weren't so many people who were really going to listen to me. Um, and that was okay. I I get that. I completely understand that. Um, so those who did want to have conversations, I would always entertain them. I would not hesitate. Um, one, I know how much gall it takes to actually step up and ask for help. Two, I know how much gall it takes for someone to make themselves vulnerable to release the information. And that's the big thing for me is, you know, I laugh because Huffins has verbalized it in a way I could never put words to it before. He said, I don't want to die with all this information. I want to pass it on. And it doesn't make sense to why I don't know why we want to harbor it. And then it's not like we're at in the X-Men and they can put tabs on our brains to get all extracted all, you know, I've got to pass on my legacy for whatever it is. And it's, it's not even so much legacy because we all know the science base is the same. It's the application and the methods and whatnot. And, you know, maybe we have clusters of people who coach similarly, but we're not ever the same, you know, whether it's verbiage, whether it's demeanor, whether it's delivery, whatever it is. Um, I just want to make sure that people are able to be as effective as they can be. And so that's where it really turned over is, what is it? Uh, help one, teach one. What's, there's whatever that adage is. Um, just one at a time. That's all I want is one at a time just to, to help. Well, 
uh, again, check that box. Uh, you are doing that. <laughs> uh, uh, not just one. You're, you're uh, help 3,000, teach 3,000. So uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's awesome. So as we start to wrap up here, uh, let's look in our crystal ball. What does the future look like for Coach Chu? Um, do you have aspirations of being a head coach one day, moving back? Every good friend of mine who's from California moves back to California. So really, uh, is, is it, are you wanting to head back to the West Coast? What, what might it look like for you? Um, going, okay, so he, here are my specifics. Ooh, so not necessarily shocker. going to, I know, right? Not surprised at all here. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, let me give you, I got the one, two, three, four list here. Okay, exactly. So not that it has to be the West Coast. It can be the East Coast, but it has to be the specific lower East Coast but higher than Florida-ish, because I don't necessarily want to do, do hurricanes, um, but not limited to. I'm open, for, I'm open for experiences. So above the hurricane line, but it sounds like below the snow line? Is that what you're... Exactly. Okay, that's exactly. what I... So it's a very limited range. I know <laughs> yeah. that. So you're talking about um, South Carolina I'm... is what we're talking about. Exactly. Which... exactly. The Carolinas are, are the destination. By the way, they get hurricanes too. I hate to break that to I you. I know. I know. And there's snow too, depending on where you That's go. Right. So, right. So anything a little bit warmer. Um, I like the snow, but I don't necessarily want the long winters. Um, I was just saying this to a friend yesterday that actually it was to my dad. Just kidding. Um, I don't mind California, but if I move back, it has to be so that I can live just as I am now. Mm. So there, that looks like a seven digit figure salary, mm. which you know, in coaching, God knows how that'll happen. But, mm -hmm. you know, um, at this point, I know that wherever I am in the country, I would even go to say internationally, as long as I've got my family with me and I'm growing and progressing as an individual, I'm good. So, you know, there, there are dream things, you know, beaches, seafood, <laughs> <laughs> fresh seafood. <laughs> um, those, those things are the, are, are the objectives, but you know, it's, I'm not limited now. I know I can survive and I know I can thrive, not just survive. So that's the big thing. Um, in regards to coaching, head coach position is on the horizon. You know, I, I hope that I, I learned that it doesn't have to come when I'm ready. It has to be ready for me. Hmm. So, so say that again. It's one I, of those, I want to hear. I want to hear that again. So the I don't have to be ready for head coaching, but the head coaching position has to be ready for me. So what I mean by that is, let's say a head coaching job comes available tomorrow. Am I fully equipped? Probably not. But am I equipped enough? Absolutely. But I have to be in a position where I'm going to be supported. I'm going to have to be in a position where you know, the vision is shared by those who it needs to be shared by. So um, I've learned that over the last few years that it's, it's not something that I have to have on as a time marker, but as something that can be cultivated. I like so, that being open for the, for the opportunity, not being mm -hmm. necessarily ready for the opportunity. You can grow into that, mm -hmm. but being open that if an opportunity, the right opportunity arises, you can step up into that challenge and have success. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And, and, you know, the biggest thing that I've learned from my move in 2016 is it's okay to be scared. You just can't be so fearful that you're disabled by it. Mm. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, I know that 
within coaching. Again, I, I, I don't know that I would turn down a head coaching job if it came up sooner than later, um, but I'm okay being an assistant coach right now. It, it allows me to be home when I want to or as necessary with my kids. Um, I get to go to baseball games with my son. You know, my daughter, I get to go see her choir present or uh, performances. Jeez. Um, so I don't know that that's always able to happen as a head coach. You know, it de kind of depends on the program and the level, of course. Um, so I'm not in a rush, but I'm also not going to deny something of its opportunity. Well, certainly, no doubt with your coaching ability and not even almost a little bit like uh, akin to what you said there about being open for the opportunity, not only where you are today as a coach on the track coach and what you do with your mm -hmm. athletes, but how you are continually growing as that coach. So uh, mm -hmm. what you may think of of your um, level and expertise today is no doubt because of your openness to grow and learn that you're going to be an even better coach tomorrow and the mm -hmm. next day and the next day. You know, it's a continual building, almost that uh, DeAndre Woods and I from Chapman, we talked about building the mm -hmm. wall and brick by brick and, you know, yep. not just one big thing. You've got to start with smaller bricks sometimes and, and then build up. So I think um, for sure your coaching, your actual on the track coaching continues to improve. Uh, and certainly from the side that we see here at Gill, uh, you know, your organization skills, your, your time management, of course, I, I actually still don't know how you do it, to be real frank. Uh, but also even more important is the value that you give selflessly. I mean, it's, it's just really amazing. Marissa. It's been a whole different thing. Thank if, you. Uh, I mean, there's just so many avenues you could have taken with this group and with your coaching and with your coaching profession, that leap of faith to mm -hmm. come out here to Indiana uh, based on, you know, of all people, Huffins. I don't, you know. I know, right. We, we got to talk off offline about Huffins. I mean that in all right. good ways. I know you're listening, Huff. <laughs> you know I love you, man. Uh, he's a great guy. And, uh, he is. Even beyond his athleticism, he's a great guy. <laughs> Honestly, my, my favorite thing about him, um, side note, he, he's a really good father. <laughs> I mean, the dude just absolutely nails it as a father and, and a family figure, man. He is game changer when it comes to that. So, so, so he is, happy and he proud is of him a there. great guy. Well, you're doing a, a great job, Marissa. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that we just had to have you on here because I hope, honestly, the leadership that you are exhibiting, I hope other people see it. I love that there are other leaders now in the coaches' collab because that means mm -hmm. they saw your leadership and they stepped up. I hope that you uh, serve. I know that you will serve as an example for others, people that are just now getting out of college and want to get into coaching or that first year coach that was like, I can't do this. I can't, do yeah. I can't do wine. It's like, you know what? Marissa did it. Uh, you know, you can take those leap of faith. You can continue to be open for opportunities to improve yourself. And ultimately what you're doing is you're improving our profession of coaching track and field. And there, there can't be enough kudos for you doing that, Marissa. You've done a, an amazing job and we're so appreciative of everything that you do. I appreciate it. It's, it's, it's something that had to be done and will continue to be done. You know, you know, this gets published, like people are going to hear that. So you've got, you, you know, you'll have to actually do it. I know I'm lucky okay. now. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> Remember I told you no edits. I'm not cutting that part I out. I know, you right? heard it right oh, here. It. <laughs> Marissa is going to continue this in, in how it evolves, right? It's not necessarily going to look the mm -hmm. same as it is today for a lot of obvious reasons. Uh, just like your career is not going to look the same today as it will next year and in the future. Uh, it's going to continue to grow as you continue to improve yourself in the sport and you continue to be open to those opportunities. 
Uh, thank you so much for being here, man. This was a lot of fun, Marissa. Uh, I I'm glad we get it. to learn who you are, not just the group. Uh, it's, it's yeah, awesome no, to, I appreciate uh, it. Dig into you and your career and uh, your personal life. It's it's really amazing and a real inspiration. And I'm just so happy and blessed that you would spend the time with us to allow us to share your journey. Yeah, thank you for listening. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, Marissa Chu. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. If you like what you heard, give us a rating and review on iTunes and hit that subscribe button. As well, we encourage you to connect with others and share the podcast on your social media. Looking forward to next time when we connect you with another great track and field connection. Bye, guys.